Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? You good? Yes. Awesome. Awesome. I am so glad that you guys are here today. And uh, thank you for coming. Uh, I think the COVID numbers are rising a little bit. So everywhere you go, you get a little bit more space now, which is kind of nice. But I'm glad that you came this morning. And uh, my name is Kenny. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're new, thank you for joining us. It really does mean a lot to us. And, um, you know, we are in a series that we're calling Abnormal. And it's a series through the study of the book of James. And in my opinion, could not be a better series to go through right now, not just for us as a church, but also for us as individuals and a people for everything that we're going through, which is a lot right now in our nation. It is unprecedented with everything taking place in our life. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's almost like because so much is happening, uh, I don't know about you, but it kind of feels like you, you kind of live on, on a little bit of tension with everything that you say. Um, I actually saw this and I, I thought, man, that, that's, that's true for a lot of people. You see, people don't want to hear your opinion. They want to hear their opinion coming out of your mouth. Right? It's just kind of, this is kind of the world we live in. A lot of tension, a uh, lot of pain as well. So as we move into this message today, which we're going to talk about a lot going on uh, in our nation, but I'm going to be taking a different angle because I'm going to be taking the angle that James takes, which is the best angle to take. I want to kind of give you a setup for where I am because I know, um, I hope it's not, but I, I, I think I do, that at the very end of this message, there'll be people in this room who thinks I didn't say enough about fill in the blank. There'll be people in this room who will think that I said too much about fill in the blank. Um, but I want to give you my perspective of where I'm coming from. After what happened to uh, Mr. Floyd, which was horrendous, horrible, sinful, um, it, I think it turned all of our stomachs of, of what took place. Um, I started reading, listening, and I started receiving emails from some of the African-American families in our church family who were hurting. And, uh, and so I wanted us to just sit down together. So right here in this room, there are about 20 families that we sat down together in a circle, put these chairs in a circle, and I just simply said this, I want to listen, and I want to know what it's like walking in your shoes right now. And over two hours, we just sat together. There were a lot of tears, a lot of stories shared, a lot of things I did not know about my friends, a lot of things I did not know of what it would possibly be like to be African-American at all. It's not how I was brought up. It's not, obviously, if you can't tell, I'm, I'm not. Um, so I learned a ton. There was a lot of pain in this circle right here. Um, a lot of stories, a lot of history shared that I did not know about uh, with my friends and your, your, your church family. Um, I'll share a little bit more about that later on. And then as things started escalating in our country, I also knew that we had law enforcement families who go to the bridge, and I wanted to sit with them as well. And so last week, we sat in a circle uh, many of our law enforcement and their families and we sat in a circle and I just said the same thing I said I want to know what it's like for you right now walking in your shoes and um, uh, I learned a ton perspectives that I had not had that I do have now and, uh, and, and, and so I want you to know that as we go through this message together James says it perfectly <laughs> Like if there was any voice to be heard, 
It's like James just kind of raises God's voice to the top of all other voices that you and I are hearing right now. And he gives the perspective that I think every single one of us need. Now, I want to say this up front, okay? He gets very personal, though, okay? Very personal about the person sitting in your chair right now. So can we all just kind of breathe together? Is that okay? Everybody just kind of breathe in. Now breathe out and just chillax, okay? Let him speak to us because what he has to say is so, so good for us. He's going to use this word and what he's going to say to us. And I want to define the word up top for us so we'll know exactly what he's talking about. This is the word he's going to define, favoritism. This is the word that James is going to refer to in his passage. Favoritism is choosing a person or a group over another based on my personal preference, my race, my prejudice, or my plan. I've got this person and that person, and because of my race, my prejudice, or my agenda that I think should happen, I'm going to go with that person. That's favoritism. Okay? So this is what James starts with in his whole message. But I love a couple of words that he uses right before he gets to that word, which is very important for us to hang on to because it really is the umbrella of everything that he's going to say. And if we miss the umbrella, we're going to just take it so personal in a bad way and not in a way that God actually wants us to. So here's what he says in starting this, this passage. James chapter 2, verses 1. Uh, It says this, my brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show, can we all say the word together? Favoritism. Clear enough? Anybody fuzzy? Good. Well, I'm going to pray and then we'll we'll go home. No, I mean, it's like, it's like, don't show favoritism. Now, We're going to get glue for this for next Sunday because I've done this about four times now. Um, Don't show favoritism, but don't miss this part. Don't miss this part. How's he started? My brothers. He's like, we're family. Like we're in this thing together. Doesn't matter your background. Doesn't matter how you grew up. We're in this thing called life together and we are brothers and we are sisters. And then he adds something so important. He adds this part, my brothers, as believers, he like amps it up a little bit. He goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. If some point in your life you have signed the dotted line to follow Jesus, you signed on to Christianity You claim the name of Jesus. Not only are we brothers in this thing together, we are called to live a different way as brothers in this thing together. Like there's a different perspective we must take because we have signed on to being and following our leader whose name is Jesus who did not show favoritism to anyone. So let's follow him. So here's, here's essentially what he says. He says, if you've called on the name of Jesus and he has rescued you, he has redeemed you, he has saved you, he has given you not a second time to come back to him, 
but a third, but a fourth, but a fifth. Anybody want to join me for a sixth, for a seventh, for an eighth? That he continually shows you grace and mercy and love. Watch, watch. Here's what James is saying. If that's how you would define what Jesus has done for you, when you show favoritism to any person, group, or agenda, your standard is higher than God's. So don't go there. And here's what he's going to share with us. Because when you go there, you not only do damage to the name of Jesus, you do damage internally and within your own family that you don't even see that you're doing. This is how he's going to flesh this whole thing out for us. And he, he would look at us and he would go, listen, listen, aren't you glad God doesn't have a standard? Like, aren't you glad he doesn't set an IQ for those who he's going to love? If so, I'd be out. I'm dumb as a rock. Aren't you glad God doesn't have a standard on he's going to love people with this amount of income? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad he doesn't have a standard of, wow, I'm only going to love people with this hair color or this eye color. It's like God, God, watch, watch, is not colorblind. He's colorful. And he loves every single one of his children. And he looks at us as followers of Jesus and he goes, you do the same. I don't show favoritism. I don't want you to show it either. And James just kind of fleshes this thing out to where now we get involved in the story. Because the next two words he uses, for example. Now this is very, very important. I want you, for the next two minutes, I want you to put on your creative hat. I want you to get in touch with your senses. I want you to get in touch with your smells. I want to get in touch with color, with texture, because I want you to use your creative imagination for just a moment. And if you go, I ain't creative, still somebody else is beside you just for a moment. Just work with James, because James is wanting to draw you in to what he is going to say in just a moment. So you got to be pulled into this, okay? So I'm going to read it. And you just imagine. Whatever comes to your imagination, go with that. Are you ready? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry. Let it go. Just think. What are the colors? What, 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 what are they wearing? If, 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 they're, if they're super wealthy and they're wearing fine clothes, they don't shop where I shop, which is Marshall's. So where did they shop? Where did they get their clothes? It says they have jewelry. They got one necklace or they got what my son's baseball team calls the drip working. What do they smell like? What kind of, shoe, what kind of shoes is that? Per, let, let's back up our imagination just for a minute. What did they drive up in? Got it? Okay. Keep going. Keep going. Don't, don't leave. Keep, keep the juices flowing. And someone else comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. What does that person smell like? What do their shoes look like? What do their clothes look like? Okay. That's the picture. And you got to put the picture together. Here's what James says. Watch. If you, not someone else, 
if you give special attention. You know what special attention is? Favoritism. Favoritism. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you, not someone else, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or sit on the floor. Now, hang on just a minute. Here's what we would say. I would never do that. I would never, ever, ever do that. Ever. Keep in mind, back in the day when James is talking about this, and by the way, this is your meeting. Remember what he said? If someone comes into your meeting, they come rolling up and whatever. They come walking in with whatever. This is your meeting. People are there. Your friends are there. They come rolling in. Then in this moment, you would have looked at the rich person, and in, the, in this day, you would go, oh, man, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. They come rolling up. Hey, listen, we need, we need to make that person feel comfortable because we can get something from him or her or that group. So we, that whole entourage, that we, hey, give them, the, give them the best seat. Let's give them the best food. Let's give them the best drink. And then you look at the poor person and you go, they can't do anything for us. Just sit, you just find a seat. Just kind of sit somewhere. And we would go, well, I would never, ever, ever in my life put two people like that together. I want to go back to the picture and ask you a question. For example, suppose someone, was your someone a man or a woman? What color skin did that someone have? Were they white? Were they black? Brown? Was it a student? You're like, no, they ain't got any money. Well, that's really true. So probably not. Were they in their 40s? Were they older with a beard? Uh, what about the poor person? What color skin did the poor person have in your imagination? When my wife and I did this, our poor people were two different people. See, here's what James is saying. You not only would do that, you do it. Because you have a lens that you were born with. That you look at people and without thinking, you put them in a category quickly. You don't mean to. You know it's wrong. You don't want to gravitate, but you do grab. This is what James is saying. This is your meeting. That someone, you immediately went, here's who that person is. Here's who the rich people are right there. Oh, the poor people. I know who the poor people are. And this would be the poor person that would walk into my meeting. Here's what James is saying. You do have a lens. There is a way you see life. There is a way you see people. And James is just kind of, he's just starting with us. Trust me, it gets worse, so don't leave because people know you got convicted. I mean, he just starts getting at the heart of how we see people. I want, I want to tell you something. I'm not going to share everything because it was, in my opinion, it was a sacred moment with, with these families who were here and watching their tears and hearing their stories. And let me kind of give you an example because something was shared in that meeting that I literally, in my chair, I was thinking, I would have never ever thought about that right there 
I don't live that way. I've never lived that way. Let me show you what it, what it was. You use ways in your car to get somewhere, right? So you don't get lost. It's a bonus if Waze tells you there's a policeman ahead. Waze is used to know if there's a policeman ahead because my life could be in jeopardy. And if I happen to get there, awesome. But it ain't why I use it. I want to know. I want to know. And if it pings, the radio is turned down, and I am going the speed limit, I don't care if I'm backing up traffic. Lens shift. I thought, I've never in my life, I would never in my life even think about that. Have that fear come up in me when policemen ahead. I, I, I don't have that fear. I've never had that fear. Yeah, I might get a ticket. That'd be the worst thing that happens to me. I've never had that fear. Never even thought about that. Uh, when I was sitting down with our, our, law our law enforcement families, I asked this one question. I said, tell me what's going through your mind when you pull a car over. What, what, what are you thinking? The gentleman said this. A couple of them mentioned a couple of different things. But the first gentleman said this. He goes, Kenny, you have to keep in mind, we see things no one should ever see. We experience things no one should ever experience. And so for us, if it's been a long day, a seven-hour day or an eight-hour day, you can only imagine the things that we have seen that day. Whether we have been at a house that something has happened to a two-year-old or a three-year-old that should never happen. And we have to go and we have to make, make sense of that situation and get the right people involved to take who needs to take. And then we have to go to a car wreck where someone is dying and their blood is absolutely everywhere. We've seen that. And then it has been a long day. And then we pull someone over for speeding. You got to keep in mind when we put our car in park, there are a thousand videos that we have seen in our training. Not that might happen, but that has happened. And so we've taken all of these emotions of what we've experienced with the day with kids, with families, with married couples that breaks our heart. We're having to deal with all of that. And then we're pulling someone over. And then this gentleman said this, I'll never forget. He says, at the end of the day, I just want to go home to be with my family. And whether that person believes it or not, I don't want anything bad to happen. I don't want to put, I don't want anybody in my car. I want them to go home to their family. They said, in every profession, there's a bad apple. In the police department, there are some crooked cops. And he said, to them, he said, it makes us grieve and it makes us sick. Because we know now that person has represented all of us. And it's not true. We want the best for anybody we pull over. It's our job. But what we have seen and what we've experienced, we do it so you don't have to. I was like, oh, my God. It's like lens. Never thought, never thought about those things, right? Never thought about that. Here's what James is saying. How? How do you know that you should choose that person over that person? How do you know that? How do you get to a point where you tell that person, 
I can't gain anything from you. But you choose this person because you think you can. This is what James is saying to all of us. And he goes on, and here's what he says. James, he goes in the next, he goes, have you, again, not other people. He's making this so personal. It starts with us. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Now, this one verse is so powerful. This could be a message in and of itself. Because he says, have you not discriminated among yourselves? Here's what he says. He says, do you know the links God went through to bring you together? That every tribe, every tongue, every race would come to know your heavenly father through my son Jesus, who I sacrificed everything for, for us to come together, for us as the bridge, to be unified together, to love one another and to love him. And here's what he just said. But when you discriminate, here's what you just did. You divided yourselves what I worked so hard for to put together and paid a price that you would be one. And in one thought, you separate yourselves. It's not God's heart. And then he just adds on. He says, here's what you've done. And you don't know it. You don't know you've done this. He says, here's what you've actually done. You've become normal and you've cast judgment on someone or a group. And you know, here's what he says. He goes, number one, this is not your seat to sit in. And number two, you're really, really bad at it. Because you don't know. You don't know their story. And because of the color of their skin or because of what they're wearing, you think you know them. And God says, I'm telling you, you don't. I asked our African-American families. At the very end, I said, do you feel accepted at the bridge? Put me in your shoes. I want to know. Most all of them did. Some of them didn't. It broke me. It broke me. We all have a lens, don't we? We, we have to agree we all have a lens. Everybody has a lens that we look through. Here's what James says. When you judge, you destroy what God has put together and the dream that God has for us as his children. The song is true. Red, yellow, black, and white, they're all precious in his sight. All of them. All of them. And so God, so God says, don't sit in that seat. That's my seat. That's my seat. And you're not good at it either. And here's what he says. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges? Watch this last part. With evil thoughts. You know what the evil thought is when you judge someone or a group? The evil thought is you look out for you. At the end of the day, you look out for you or your family or your group. You go, well, shouldn't we do that? Well, to a certain extent of responsibility, but not for the gain and detriment to someone else. That's what, that's what he's talking about. That's favoritism. James goes on, and here's what he says in the next verse. He follows it up. He goes, listen to me. Dear, he puts it in there again. Dear brothers and sisters, hasn't God, can we all say the next word together, the yellow word, ready? Chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith. Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? 
You, whenever you judge someone, watch. When, when I judge someone, I lose the two values that God loves most, love and faith. That's what God values is love and faith. And here's what he says. I just chose the person that you put in the corner of your imagination. I chose the, I did not choose the one that you gave the best seat to in the house. Our values are totally different is what God would say to me. Kenny, you don't see the way I see. You don't value the way I value. So you need me. You need my perspective. You need my heart on this thing called racism, on this thing that that you're experiencing in Houston and in the nation right now. And here's what he says. He goes on. He says this, but you have insulted the poor. And we would go, we would never do that, God. We would never do that. And he says this, but you have insulted the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? He goes, see, you value people many times that I really, I don't value what they stand for. I don't value their cause. I value people. Every single person is special to me. In light of everything happening, I took some time. And in light of this passage, I just kind of sat down and I put down some questions for you to consider, not anyone else. This is for the person in your chair. This is between you and God. I want to ask you, I want to ask you some questions, if that's okay. Number one, do you despise players who kneel? Do you? Do you condemn players who stand? Is it possible? Is it possible that both really are honoring America? I don't know their heart. Where does it start in your heart? Third question, do you resent rich people? Like you look at rich people and you just resent it. I'm going to use a word I probably shouldn't use because some of my preacher friends are getting in trouble for it. Do you think they're privileged? What if they actually grew up poor and they worked their butt off? You don't know. We don't know. We don't know. This is the whole point. We don't know. How about this one? Do you criticize poor people? so lazy they're just so lazy you don't know you don't know why they became poor right how about this one do you love torchy's tacos <laughs> if not you need jesus yes i'm judging you i'm judging you that's what i'm doing how about this one do you love black people Not the ones where you think you might need their autograph. But do you love them? Do you love white people? Do 
Do you love them? Really love them? Fill in the blank. Do you love Asian people? Do you love skinny people? Do you love overweight people? Do you love divorced people? We can fill it in, right? We all have a lens. Do you love them? Um, Do you value police officers? Really? Value? Thankful for you? Thankful for all that you do? That you would value them? Um, I remember my ethics professor in seminary saying something. I don't remember anything else he said, but I do remember this. So if you're watching, I'm sorry. It's a fascinating statement. Even if everybody in America were Christians, we would still need police. Think about it. Think about it. Imagine a city where there were no police. How about this one? Have you held someone's silence against them? Well, if you ain't going to say anything about what's going on, I know what side you're on. Have you held someone's silence against them? Have you remained silent during this time while people are hurting? Next question. Do you like preachers who use a stool? <laughs> Just had to ask. How about this one? Do you blame someone for our problems? Do you blame someone? Do you blame a group for our problems? Last question. Do you think someone should pay? After all these years, somebody should pay. Somebody. Everything that happened, somebody should pay. Here's what James is saying. Someone did pay. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. However you would answer the questions, James would say, he paid for you. He paid for all of it. Every bit of it. So you don't want to go there. And, and then I, I love this as he kind of fleshes it out on what we should do and how we should act. Here's what he says next. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. You want to live abnormal, especially in today's world? It's simple. You love people. You just love people. That's it. You love the way you were loved. That's the answer. You love people. And, and he goes on. He fleshes out a little bit more. He goes, but if you, not someone else, but if you show favoritism, you sin. Watch. What we have in America is not a race problem. It's a sin problem. What we have in America is not a financial problem. It's a sin problem. What we have in America is not a favoritism problem. It's a sin problem. And we have to see it as such. It's sin. We're all sinners. It's called sin. And he fleshes it out even more. He goes, you sin and are convicted by the law as, what's the next word? 
lawbreakers. Now this is funny because James would say this. Hey, what do you think about lawbreakers? We don't like them. Put them away. James would go, you are one. Welcome to the club. If you don't love, you've broken the law. And it's like God would look at us and go, Kenny, I took the big ten and gave you two. Love God and love people. And you can't even get that right. (laughs) And God would be right. I've broken it. It's it's fascinating. So James chapter 2 verse 12, he he makes it simple for us. So whatever you say, and I'm going to add something. I'm going to make it in in our word. And whatever you post, throwing that out there. Or whatever you do, remember that you will be, what's the next word? Judged. Now watch this. Watch how he plays. Watch how he plays. He brings it back. Watch how he plays this. You will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. You know what he says? The moment you take your last breath and you stand before God and you see God for who he really is. For once and for all, you really begin living and your eyes open up and you see him. Do you know what you're going to want in that moment? Mercy. Oh my, oh my God, literally, oh my God, I didn't know you were so amazing. Please give me, I didn't know you were so holy. I didn't know you were so right. I didn't know you were so just. Please give me mercy. He said, on that day, that's what you're going to want. Just give it now to other people if that's what you really want that day. And then I love how James ends this whole section. Why should we do that, James? Because mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy's better. Mercy wins. Mercy changes lives. Judgment never has. Judgment never will. Judgment creates more division, not less division. No one on your post is going to go, you know what? I've been thinking wrong for 28 years. You're right. No one. But mercy... It's so abnormal. People might want to listen after they watch. And this is what James says to us. So what do we do? I I think it's an amazing opportunity for us is what I think. Like if the church has gotten a whole lot wrong in the past, which we have, this is an amazing moment to get it right. This, is, this is, could be like our moment, not just us, but like the church family. And here's, what I think, here's where I think it starts. I think it's number one, how to, how to be a bridge of hope. Number one, we confess. We sit down with God and we go, God, I don't like this person, that group of people, that agenda. That, I, I, and just be honest, go, I need you to change my heart. God, this is where I am, and I don't want to be where I am. I don't want to be who I am in this area. I need you to forgive me for how I have thought, what I've said. I just need you to forgive me on this. And then what do you do? I think you sit down and you just listen to people. Listen, here's why this is so important. When someone shares their story with you, it's not like a story they got out of a book or watched on a movie. When someone shares their story with you, number one, you can't look at them when they're done and go, well, you shouldn't feel that way. How insensitive. It's not your story. 
It's their story. And when they do that, here's what they're doing. They're trusting you with their story to say, would you please validate my story? And if not, would you please just sit with me in the pain of my story? Because it hurt really bad what happened to me. And no, I don't know how to process everything either, but would you be a friend? And, say, and just listen, and I promise you, you will do what happened to me. You might actually learn a lot and a different way to think and a different lens to possibly look at life that you didn't have. And the third thing is real simple. James makes it so clear for us today, and that's we love. We love people. What does love require of you? I don't know. It's a great question between you and God. God, what does love require of me? right now in the world we live in. James is so practical and yet very, very personal because here's what he knows. That's where change actually begins. It's personally with you, not someone else, but with you. And like I said, this is an amazing opportunity for us to love people, not judge people. And I think in doing so, Jesus will do what he said. Man, when you do that, when you, do, when you do that right there, they're going to know that you're mine and I'm going to draw people to myself because it's so abnormal in the world we live in. I want to pray for us before we go. <clears throat> God, thank you so much that we have the freedom to come into a place like this and open up an ancient text. But it is so relevant to our world today. God, we need you. We, we don't just need you in general ways. We need you to change our hearts toward one another. We do need mercy. We do need grace. We need peace. And God, there's not one politician that's going to fix all that. There's not one group that's going to fix all that. It's not one person that's going to fix all that. Those answers are found in you and you alone. So God, we humbly ask that you would start with us. Show us where we don't love the way you love. Show us where we don't value what you value. Open our eyes to see people the way you see them. That they are loved, dearly loved by you. So loved by you that you would give your one and only son for them. We're no better. We all need a Savior. And so, God, as you transform our own hearts, let us listen. Let us lean in to those who are different than us. And at the end of the day, let us love in an abnormal way so that the world would be drawn to you. In your name we pray. Amen.